Hi there, this is Justina, and you are listening to the Exploding Head Podcast. Hi everyone, it's me. Welcome to the Exploding Head, and today we are talking about Brazil. Why Brazil? What's happening? Why it's interesting? Why should you care? A quick answer is because it's really messed up what's happening there politically. Well, it's been messed up for some years now, but oh my goodness. And for a longer answer, listen to this episode. It's a dense one. So I hope you stay with me. You know, today's episode gives me an opportunity to summarize everything that I've been talking about in my previous episodes. Why? Let me tell you. And that is because, I have to say, when I was writing the description of my podcast, and obviously I was writing it before I could think of all the potential topics that I'll be exploring in this podcast, but I thought, okay, it's going to be about social issues, about conflict, about forced migration, but mostly, and maybe as a context, it's going to be about democracy and authoritarianism and the dance between the two. And looking back in my episodes, looking back in my articles, Indeed, that was not a bad description, I thought. What have I talked about already? I've talked in one of my articles and in one of my episodes about Bolivia, but also about an authoritarian regime that Bolivia had, which was a part of Operation Condor, which was a transnational, secretive, appalling, horrible, oppressive, right-wing military operation, heavily supported by the CIA, So we had an authoritarian regime a part of a larger structure even. And then I talked about Chile in one of my episodes, which was also part of Operation Condor. So it also has its really painful history. In these two episodes, interestingly, about Bolivia and about Chile, I also talked about Belarus, which is an interesting case because how the country got to the dictatorship that they have now, actually Lukashenko, the president... He got into power democratically. He was elected back in 1994. But then he had this referendum, so he was given more powers, and then he was sort of seizing power, seizing more power, and now we have this horrible authoritarian regime. So this is another scenario, another path of how a country can go from a democratic regime to something that is definitely not democratic. So I have an episode on Belarus, and I have an article on Belarus as well. It's a more poetic one, so to speak, about bravery. I do have an article called, Is Your Country Slipping Into Authoritarianism? Here's a checklist where I talk about what could be seen as different pillars of democracy. And if they're being shaken, we have to be aware, basically. So we can think of what has been happening in the States under Trump and something that you can see, sadly, in many countries. So if you haven't read that article yet, check it out. It talks about a lot of things at once. Talking about the States in my episode on political trust. I talk about how if that goes down, that can be seen as alarming. So even if we might not see political trust as being like a pillar of democracy, it can sometimes indicate that there are shifts in the political culture that can lead to something rather dangerous, if unchecked. And in one of my episodes on political attitudes, I also talked about Brazil. Brazil, just like Bolivia and Chile, was also part of Operation Condor. It also had its dictatorship in the past. And Brazil is our topic of the day. And why have I just summarized all of my episodes and some of my articles? Because when I talk about de-democratization 
a situation when a country is slipping into authoritarianism or sometimes jumping, sometimes jumping into authoritarianism. So why we talk about Brazil? Because Brazil today and for the past five years really represents yet another case, yet another path of how you can, to use very basic language, fuck a country up in terms of democratic institutions and a democratic rule. It's a really scary case. I know every case is scary when we're moving away from strong democratic institutions to weaker democratic institutions. That is all very scary. In Brazil, Brazil represents yet another and very interesting case of how you can, if not destroy, then weaken democracy from within. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about what the hell has been happening in Brazil for the past five years, but also what has happened just now that sparked this episode. So talking about a dance between democracy and authoritarianism, Brazil has had its own dance for sure, just for the last five years. One thing I will mention again is that Brazil had its own very painful dance with authoritarianism for a very long time in the 20th century. So it was a dictatorship from 1964 to 1985. That's, that's a long time. Not that there's like a short time that is somehow acceptable for any military dictatorship. So Brazil has been a democracy for some time. It's not an old consolidated democracy, but it has been a democracy for some decades now. And the question for any democracy that sort of hasn't been around for too long is, how strong is it really? How strong are the institutions? How strong are the mechanisms? Like, like can you, by you I mean, you know, a group of individuals, maybe a political party, can you mess? Can you try to mess with these institutions successfully? What can you change? Because obviously the older institutions, you would think the more difficult it is to change them. People have that trust. Mm? My episode on political trust. When people have more trust in institutions, it's more difficult to change them usually. Or we can say that attempts to change them are not being seen as legitimate because there is that trust. So, a young democracy. So that's an important factor. But let me skip... 2016, what happened there, what happened afterwards, and what happened just now, and how how that all makes up a really messed up illustration of how we can once again fuck with a democracy from the inside. So very quickly, in 2016, what happened, a historic thing happened, Dilma Rousseff, or Dilma Rousseffi, the then Brazilian president, got impeached. And you might think, Oh, impeachment, that sounds okay. Impeachment is one of the mechanisms that, you know, democracies can use to remove certain, I guess, not trustworthy anymore individuals from power. But Juma's case was really messed up. Why? Well, first of all, it was kind of presented to the public that she was accused of corruption, even though she was at the time, at least, I believe now, the same thing, one of the few politicians that never had corruption charges. What was the basis of impeachment was what is called creative accounting, which are fiscal manipulations, putting money from one account to another account so that the country's economic situation appears better than it is, which is something, I mean, it doesn't sound great, but that is also something that the previous presidents have been doing and it wasn't previously seen as an impeachable offense. So that was interesting. 
and there are so many interesting things about it and I will link to my own article from that time explaining in further detail why I was messed up. Very quickly, one thing, the very person who sort of initiated the impeachment process, he himself was charged with corruption since then. Like, at the moment, he was charged with corruption. He's in jail. Two-thirds of the Brazilian parliament, like two-thirds of the people who voted to impeach Gilma, they have corruption charges. Oh my God, two-thirds. And actually, interestingly, there was a commission of independent uh, consultants hired to investigate if Gilma had indeed uh, engaged in those practices of creative accounting. And they said no. And that commission said that they didn't find her guilty. And yet, the parliament voted to impeach her anyways. You know, what? So, how she was removed from power, and as importantly, why? It's really messed up. Why? So, some people from the very beginning were saying that, yeah, she's not being removed because she's corrupt. It's actually the other way around. She's being removed to stop to stop the major corruption investigation, Lava Jato, Car Wash, it's called Operation Car Wash, to stop that investigation. Not to stop the corruption itself, to stop the investigation against corruption. And later on, there were leaked conversations between Brazilian politicians showing exactly that. People saying, we have to stop the bleeding, like we have to put an end to this corruption investigation. We have to remove the president to do so. So it's not even controversial to say when you have evidence that supports that. So this is how Gilma got removed from power. Again, people are saying that this is the broader plan to finally steer country into neoliberal policies. So finally for the country to take the direction that people were not voting for. People for the past, what, 14, 16 years have been voting for the Workers' Party, PT, uh, like Gilma's party. So democratically, there are some forces that they're not popular enough to make the majority to actually be, you know, steering the country. And now, by removing the president, by having the vice president, who is much more on the right, like, this is the chance, right? It's a presidential republic. In presidential republics, presidents are actually quite powerful. So that was the beginning. That was 2016. And now, what happened before the election of 2018, as we could see part of the same plan, one of the judges, Sergio Moore, one of the judges who was so praised for his role in this car wash corruption investigation, this operation, he was praised. He was praised by the international media. He was the judge who sentenced the ex-Brazilian president, Lula, Ignacio Lula da Silva, just before the election, he had sentenced the most popular politician in Brazil. We can't say that, like, till this day, probably, Jesus. He had sentenced the ex-president of Brazil for corruption charges. He was sent to prison, couldn't run in the elections. And what happened, so the left or the center-left didn't have a candidate strong enough, and the far-right the extreme right candidate, who is the president now, yes, Jair Bolsonaro, he won. And that judge who had sentenced the Brazilian ex-president Lula to jail so that Lula couldn't run in the elections, there were leaked conversations showing how that judge, he was partial. He was collaborating with the prosecutors with the goal to sentence the ex-president. So he engaged in practices that are not legal. 
So the judge himself, who was so praised for his role in that operation against corruption, he himself was found to be corrupt. Life is stranger than fiction. Uh, yeah, it is, oftentimes. And it is in Brazil. I remember I was showing the lead squad, Tropo Gialici, a Brazilian movie to my housemates some time ago. It's a movie, actually two parts. It's about corrupt officials, like corruption, violence. And uh, I'm like, if you think these movies are messed up, you look at the actual politics. Life being stranger than fiction? Indeed. But so why this episode? Why now? Basically, the ex-president, Lula, he was released from prison this March, very recently. His charges were annulled because the process itself was declared wrong, basically. So he will be retried, but he's free now. And he had spent almost 600 days in prison. His brother died during that time. He couldn't even go to the funeral. Like, obviously, the personal toll. But the political one. He was prevented from running, and a far-right candidate won. So what is that dance between democracy and authoritarianism that Brazil has been engaged in for the past years? And what is that an example of? And it's a really strange case, because what you had in 2016 could be called a parliamentary coup. It's not a military coup, but you see, if you have a group of people, if you have a group of parliamentarians who want to remove the president without any real impeachable offense, like if you have enough of them, and if they coordinate, they can actually remove the president. The president who was democratically elected. If the president is liked by the people at the moment or not, that's irrelevant. Presidents can have low ratings. That's not a reason to impeach someone. But you see, it's possible if you want to. So that's why Brazil is an interesting case. First, you had what could be called a parliamentary coup when Dilma was removed. And then you had just a lot of corruption. Like, holy fuck, how much of corruption is there in this country? Not the only country with lots of corruption, but my God. And you might say, corruption is weakening democratic institutions? No way! I know, that's not shocking. That's nothing new. But what is shocking and what is freaking disturbing is the scale. Just like how much of that corruption, who's involved, at what levels of government, at what levels of the judicial system, and what the political consequences can be, how big the outcomes. So whatever happens with Lula now, if he gets another trial, if he is actually charged with corruption and then goes to jail again, for example, that is all okay if the trial is fair, right? So obviously if you believe in the justice system, you should believe it for everyone, not just for the people you like or dislike, right? So if I trust the system, I say, cool, pass that person through the system and let's see what happens. But if the system is corrupt... It doesn't make a person who might be corrupt not corrupt, but it's really fucked up. Can you see that? Can you see how bad it can be? I heard it somewhere that this case, the Brazilian case, is called the biggest judicial scandal of our times. And I think so. If it's not the biggest, it's a big one. And it's not really a laughing matter because, hey, Bolsonaro is in power. How he has been handling this pandemic 
in that how many people actually died because of bad leadership or a complete lack of leadership? This is no joke. So I hope that you can see now where this episode fits in into the other topics I've been talking about, into, among other ways, how a country can move from democracy to authoritarianism, if not directly into authoritarianism, then closer to it. So de-democratization. And I know that my overview of Brazil, it is an overview. It's really just an overview. So this is where I say, hey, if you're interested, do your own research, but also have a recommendation for you. The Brazilian Report. It's a cool independent media outlet. It's a podcast. I actually know someone super smart and really cool who works for them. And I was like, that's really cool. I kind of know someone famous. So the Brazilian Report. My podcast is a little bit about everything. Well, democracy and authoritarianism mainly. But that one is on Brazil. So check it out. And thank you once again for your time. This was a long one. I hope you found it interesting. I hope you learned something new today. And I'll see you next week.